Today's Bible reading is from 1 John chapter 2, page 1225 in the Pew Bibles, beginning to read at verse 7. That's page 1225. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded him. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is in the Christ. <clears throat> is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about it all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When he first met Jesus, John was nicknamed one of the Boanerges, one of the sons of thunder. But after walking with Jesus for a lifetime, the Son of Thunder earned a new title, 
the apostle of love. The whole accent of John's writing is love. In today's reading, John writes about, in verses 7 to 11, the commandment which is old and new. A new commandment which is at the same time an old commandment. A new commandment is a familiar phrase. Jesus said it to his disciples, and years later, John remembered it and wrote it down in his gospel. That's why it's familiar. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. The commandment to love others was not new. It's in Leviticus. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But Jesus magnified it by adding the spirit of the law, that we might be motivated to love each other with the self-sacrificing, godly love that Jesus showed. This was new. It was revolutionary. Love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is that how people know us? What is love? Love is love, except when it isn't. Love is more than warm feelings. It's an attitude that reveals itself in actions. Love one another. One another is not a closed shop. One another means everyone who come into our lives, including new people who are like us and not like us. In a world hostile to God, such love will not only bring unbelievers to Christ, it will also keep believers strong and united. Jesus was a living example of God's love as we are to be living examples of Jesus' love. How can we love others as Jesus loves us? By helping when it's inconvenient, giving when it hurts, devoting energy to others' welfare rather than our own absorbing hurts from others without fighting back. This kind of love is hard to do, and that's when people notice. Verse 8, Yet I am writing you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Darkness and light, again, familiar words in John's Gospel. In him was life, 
and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or understood it. It's striking that John sees personal relationships in terms of black and white, love or hate. There's no neutral position, no halfway. What John is speaking about is an attitude, not not necessarily the stranger we just happen to pass in the street, but not just to those in our church fellowship, also all those who we come into contact with. They live next door, or we work alongside them, or we meet them socially. We can't always choose our neighbours, And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. He makes it clear that our neighbour is anyone around us, regardless of who they are. A lifelong disciple of Jesus, John insists on love for our neighbour. He draws a sharp distinction between dark and light, without shades and halfway stages. People mean something to us. The question is what? We may may regard people as negligible. His need, her sorrow, his welfare, her salvation have nothing to do with me. We may regard a person with contempt, a fool whose opinions are to be brushed aside unimportant in comparison with our dignity and prestige. We may see someone as a nuisance. We may see someone as an enemy. If we regard life as a competition, then it's bound to be so. Everyone else in the same gathering, profession or trade or activity group, is an enemy who might get in our way and must be removed out of the way. Or we may regard our neighbour in love as a brother or sister. Their needs, our needs. Their interests, our interests. To serve is why we came into the world. To be in fellowship with is a true joy. Somehow we regard our neighbours. In our language, we love them or we don't. In John's, we either love or hate them. The Bible teaches this about love. Love is a choice and a commitment. You choose to love and you choose not to love. Loving our neighbour, we walk in the light. We can see where we are going. If God is love and the new commandment of Christ is love, then love is the one thing which brings us nearer to our brother and sister and nearer to God. And hatred, that's the absence of love, is the one thing which separates us from people and separates us from God. Verses 12 to 14 in our Pew Bibles come under the heading Reasons for Writing. 
And John does just that. He gives his reasons for writing the letter. And they can be summarized remembering who we are. Dear children, fathers, young men, it appears they represent three age groups in the church. Dear children is one of John's favorite expressions. He uses it many times in his letter, and it is clear in the other cases that he is certainly not thinking of little children in terms of age, but he is thinking of Christians whose spiritual father he is and whom he has begotten in the faith, people he brought to the faith. By this time, he must have been nearly 100 years old. And most of the members of his church were of a a far younger generation. To him, they were all little children. This section of today's passage is akin to poetry, so we shouldn't assume a literal meaning of the words. And so cut and dried a classification of their physical ages. The greatest difficulty is that blessings to which John speaks are not the exclusive possession of any one age group. Forgiveness does not belong to the child alone. A Christian may be young but mature in faith. Strength to overcome the tempter does not, thank God, belong to youth alone. These blessings are not the blessings of any one age, but of the Christian life. All Christians are like little children, for they gain their innocence by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. All Christians are like fathers and mothers, like full-grown, responsible men and women. We can think and learn our way deeper and deeper into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All Christians are like young men and women, we can find in Jesus the strength to fight and win our battles against the tempter. It seems that this is John's wider meaning. He warns of the perils of dark and the necessity Necessity of walking in the light. And then he says that in every case, our best defense is to remember who and what we are and what has been done for us. John's list of becauses in verses 12 to 14. No matter who you are, your sins have been forgiven. No matter who you are, you know, who, you know him who is from the beginning. No matter who you are, you have the strength which can face and overcome the evil one. The best defense of the Christian against sin is to remember who you are and what you are and what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And verses 15 to 17 Do not love the world. John doesn't say do not love the blue planet of ours. The world is God's creation and God made all things well. He means people's world when it is apart from God. 
He means human society, insofar as it is organized on wrong principles and characterized by base desires, false values, and egoism. The world in these verses does not mean the world in general. For God so loved the world which he had made. It means the world which, in fact, has forsaken the God who had made it. John's people, although they might be unpopular, they were not under persecution. They were, therefore, like ourselves today, under the great and dangerous temptation to compromise with the world, to conform to the world, to adjust Christianity in any such way that a difference between the church and the world was lessened and minimized. To this day, the Christian cannot escape the obligation to be different from the world. Again, John sees things in black and white. There is no neutrality. A man or woman either loves the world or loves God. Jesus himself said, no one can serve two masters. John's words sound hard, showing us that you can't love without saying the hard things. Even when he has hard things to say, the accent of John's words is always love. He had learned from Jesus the lesson that every parent, every teacher, every preacher, every leader, every disciple should learn to speak the truth in love. And then comes John's second warning. The one who attaches himself to the world's aims and the world's ways is giving his life to things which literally have no future. All these things pass away. None of them are permanent. The man of the world is the one who judges everything by his appetites. The one who is a slave of lavish impressiveness and showiness, the boaster who tries to make himself out far bigger than he is, the man of the world has no future. But the one who takes God to the center of their life gives their life to the things which last forever. And the final verses, 18 to 27, remain is John's message. He speaks of the last hour. The last hour, John is talking about the last days between Christ's first coming and his return. More than 1900 years have passed since John wrote his letter. Every hour is the last hour. There is continual conflict between good and evil, between God and that which is anti-God. And continually we are confronted with the choice of allying ourselves with God or with the evil forces which are against God. 
The conflict never stops. The choice never stops. And thereby we testify our faith or we fail to do so. In this last hour, John describes the Antichrist and Antichrists, plural. Antichrist can mean either the opponent or adversary of Christ or the one who seeks to put himself in the place of Christ. John had a special view of this whole situation. He did not think of Antichrist as one single person, but rather a power of falsehood. Speaking in and through false, pro- through false teachers, just as the Holy Spirit inspires true teachers and true prophets, so there is a false and evil spirit inspiring false preachers and false prophets. The battleground is in our minds. Indoctrination has become a science. We can see how protagonists can put forward an idea and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until people accept it as true simply because they have heard it so often. We see the skillful mixing of untruths and truths, blurring the distinctions. We fight for truth and true doctrine in the battle in our minds. John tells us emphatically to remain. Remain in faith in the Father and Son. Let no one convince you otherwise. Remain faithful to what we know and have known for years, to what we have learned through sound teaching, what the Holy Spirit has shown us. Remain in the Church of Christ. The conclusions which I draw from John's message in today's passage are these. Jesus gives us a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. We need to love. It enables us to walk in the light and to see where we are going. Who and what we love is key. Loving the wrong things makes it impossible to love the right things. They are mutually exclusive. Love the things of God. They are eternal and a great investment. If you love, you can't leave out saying the hard things. Speak the truth in love. Remember remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Remember John's becauses. Because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, because you know him who is from the beginning, the Father, because you have overcome the evil one, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you, all because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen.